0: Thank you very much for coming on the sunny day to enjoy cinema. Uh, so, tonight, my name is Sophie Monks-Kaufman, I'm a film journalist and writer, and we have three special guests for Q&A now. Uh, we have Susie Farrell, who co-wrote Dirty Good, <laughs> Sasha Pollock, who co-wrote and directed Dirty Good, <laughs> and Vicky Knight, the star of Dirty Good. Okay, so I'm going to ask questions for about 20 minutes, or 15-20 minutes, uh, depending on how keen I think you guys are to ask questions, and then I'm going to throw it open. Uh, So yeah, just to to get the ball rolling, Susie and Sasha, you wrote the screenplay together. Uh, Where did the idea come from, and how did you end up collaborating over its creation?
1: Um, the idea came uh, a couple of years ago when I saw a young woman at a music festival with with scars. Um, And I looked at her and I looked away and I saw everybody around her doing the same thing and I thought, yeah, this woman deals with this every single day of her life. She goes out and people are going to stare at her. Um, So that was sort of the initial idea for the film and and at that time I thought um, that she would have, had done it to herself by fire-eating, drunk or something stupid, um, and this yeah, this woman stayed with me for, for some time, and then um, at a certain point I was asked to do another film here uh, that I didn't want to do in the end, but I was working uh, here and through uh, those producers. I met Susie, and uh, we started interviewing young uh, burn survivors together, uh, and we heard about the asset attacks uh, taking place here. So it sort of got rooted here <laughs> more and more and more. And
0: in practice, how does it work to collaborate on something? Because writing is often something very private and the way, like revealing of the way you think as an individual. Like how did it work, this collaboration? Would you sit down together and physically write together, or would you write in, in different places and send each other your pages?
1: Um, well, we did sort of, uh, well, I went to London a lot, Susie went to the Netherlands a lot, so so there were sort of, um, what I really liked was that it was sort of really uh, intense per- periods, short periods, where we, we would really, really stay working together for, for very long, <laughs> long times. Long days. <laughs> long days, <laughs> but really crammed up and... Uh, um, and then I would uh, leave again, and Susie would sort of continue further, and then yeah, we would come back to each other.
0: And Susie, what made you want to tell the story of Jade together with Sasha and Vicky? Yeah,
2: so we when when we met first, when Sasha and I met first of all, and she talked about the things that were really interesting to her, and she talked about a certain London community. And I've lived in I'm Irish, but I've lived in London for a long time, so. I think we had a strong sense of the kind of world we wanted it to be, and then um, the character as well, because I suppose the conversations with the burn survivors uh, produced a sense of women, often young women, who had a really negative sense of their future, their future happiness, and so we had this idea of a character that was really facing such adversity, and it was always going to be a survivor story, it was always going to think we really wanted to find a story that had hope in it and uh, so out of that really came this idea of Jade and the adversity that she was facing and uh, her narrative really came out of that, so just grounded in that community and then that sense of
0: self. So it, Jade, was she a composite of the women you were talking to at that time?
2: No, I don't think so. No, I think really the, we, you know, we, we knew really roughly what we wanted in terms of uh, a protagonist and a hero. And uh, there, certainly there were some really inspiring women that we met. And what, one of the things that helped us think about Jade as a young mum was that some of the mothers who'd experienced, uh, who were burn survivors, had talked about long periods of time in hospital where when they got out of hospital, perhaps their children didn't recognize them or responded really differently to them and I think that emotionally was something we both connected to so it seemed like a really natural thing to do to um, think about a young mother and and that adversity but um, that's just one element of the story.
0: And then of course this is Vicky's first role, what was your uh, protest for finding her?
1: Oh, sorry. sorry. I have got I thought that thought. So that was a fool. Um, well, my initial idea was immediately I wanted to, to make this film with a real burn survivor. Um, so we, yeah, I asked um, very early on in the process when, when we didn't have any money, my producer and me, we were sleeping in bunk beds in youth hostels, and, and we didn't know if we could make the film uh, in the UK, as I'm Dutch. So... It wasn't so, yeah, wasn't clear whether we could do it. But but at that stage, when when the script wasn't even finished or anything, I, we started casting. Um, and Vicky had yeah maybe you want to tell this.
3: Yeah so um, mm-hmm. I was uh, in a fire when I was a kid. I was in an arson attack. Um, <clears throat> yeah so I was bullied a lot in school um, and when I went to college. And um, one of my teachers said make. Do something with your story. Um, so I went home and made a five minute video about how I got burnt as a child. Put it on Facebook and YouTube, went viral. Um, I was then approached by um, this company and they said to me, We've seen your video, we would like you to uh, be a part in this documentary. So I agreed to do it um, and it completely ruined. Ruins my self-confidence. And what age were you <coughs> when this happened? happening? Um, I was eight when the fire happened, but um, I was about 16, 17 when I did this documentary. Um, so this documentary turned out to be a dating program called Too Ugly for Love. Um, and I mean, I'm gay and they put me on blind dates with boys without my knowledge and without their knowledge. The boys would walk in and they say, why don't they tell him what happened to you? Um, one of the boys actually got up and left. Um, but they didn't put this in the programme. So, a couple of years later after that, Lucy Pardy, the casting director for Dirty God, she um, messaged me on my social media um, and yeah, said about this film. So, I was just like, I'm not doing nothing like this ever again. So I ignored her for a whole year, um, and she kept on and on and on, and she was stalking me, and, yeah. Um, she is a really lovely lady. Um, <laughs> 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 um, yeah, so then she called me on an unknown number. So I answered, and she's like, hi, this is Lucy. I'm like, oh, God. Um, so she went through what, was, uh, what the film was about, and the thing that convinced me was I was going to be a character. It wasn't going to be my own personal story. Um, so I met up with her, we did a self-tape, um, she sent it to Sasha um, Yeah, and she came over to meet me and we made a movie. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, you make yourself so vulnerable in such a beautiful way in the film. Were you worried it was going to be re to do that? And how did you decide that it was worth the risk and that you were OK to do this process?
3: I mean, I had a lot of um, support on set. I, um, I mean, Sasha and Marlene, the Dutch uh, producer, were my angels, literally. I mean, before I was even casted for Dirty God, I was at a stage in my life where I practically give up. I was very suicidal. I didn't want to live with my scars anymore. I just, yeah, I was just in a mess. So, I mean, she saved my life by giving me this opportunity um, to do it. Um, So, yeah, I was vulnerable in that sort of state in the beginning to do it because I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know really what was like going to be happening in the film so when uh, yeah I mean we went through the script together and to see what I could relate to Jade um, and there was a lot of things Um, for example where Jade was looking for a clinic or a doctor to find uh, help I've also done that myself uh, as I was growing up Um, And also the sex scenes and the masturbation scenes, that was quite, um, it's funny, it was very funny to do. (laughs) She was under my bed telling me what to do. (laughs) Not that you can do it wrong, but yeah. (laughs) Um, No, I mean, yeah. But I was more worried at the fact that I've hid my scars for so long. I hid them for 15 years. I would go out on the hottest day of the year in, in the fall tracksuit uh, and a scarf and gloves because I just didn't want people to look at me. I wasn't prepared for it. Um, but now, I mean, I'm i a completely different person. I mean, I would never have worn something like this ever to show my scars off. Um, so, yeah, it's made me such a confident person and I love my scars now, you know. It's part of
0: me. Okay, <laughs> so this is um, the transformative and healing power of art and cinema. Mm-hmm. Uh, and sometimes when People who love cinema, like myself included, say that. People think, oh, like it's just a film; it can't do that. But Sasha, you must <laughs> also have believed that cinema had the power to do something really good for Vicky. Uh, like, where did that perspective come from?
1: I didn't know at first that it would do something really good for Vicky. I mean, I knew when we were doing it that that it was sometimes very emotional for her, and and and. I mean, after um, we were yeah, we were ending. We were in, in Marrakesh filming the last bit of it. She got really, really upset and, and uh, emotional. And I felt <clears throat> like this is not the ending. This is this is a new beginning. Like we 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 uh, yeah, we will all keep in touch. And we this is not the end of the film or anything. But I only hoped that it would uh, do something for somebody like Vicky or some, for somebody else. That's all you hope when you make something, of course you work on it for a very, very long time, and you don't know exactly what the effect will be of it.
0: But how did you because um, w- like especially considering what a negative experience Vicky had before with people uh, behind the camera, did you have to have long Nights of the Soul for yourself thinking like? This is, this is okay, and like thinking about how you would make sure she would be okay during
1: the process. Of course. It's, it's a huge responsibility, yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I, I, we, we got to know each other really early on because we started the casting process so early. And, uh, yeah, we did dancing lessons together first. Yeah. Ooh, what
0: type of dancing? Yeah, really <laughs> <Sexy> <laughs> really, <girl>.
1: st- <laughs> really strange, strange dan- dances, like more m- movement coaching and... Uh, swimming uh, lessons, yeah. that
3: isn't in the film, I must add.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so we went swimming every Sunday. Um, you didn't like that, no. but uh, I, yeah, <laughs> she needed to swim. <laughs> so that, that was sort of a process to get to know each other uh, a bit. Uh, before we started uh, working together, um, and, and I think that helped.
3: Yeah, I mean I had so much trust in Sasha anyway um, from when I not when I first met her, but as time went on, um, and then when we started shooting, I mean I was in the auditioning process with all the cast that was in the film. I helped um, Sasha pick the cast as well. I mean Bluie Robertson who plays Naz. Um, I said to Sasha, I said, I really like him. I will turn straight for him. Um, so, yeah, so it was... We had, like, good connections, you know, with all the cast as well. And even the crew, I mean, we had 30-plus crew, and <coughs> we were like family. Yeah, it was just amazing.
0: Uh, I think that the fact that you would turn straight for him translates to chemistry <coughs> in the film. Um, so, yeah, Susie, maybe this is a question for you. I, I wanted to ask about all the, kind of, the details... Jade's life, you know where well, you covered the motherhood aspect but you know you you've kind of it's really a kind of anecdotal film of putting together the pieces of her life as she tries to sort of proceed for it you know so the cool centre job, the mother who's working on the black market um, you know all the details of her life how did wh- where like what's how did you build those up like when you're making a film that is yeah it's like very rooted in a character, very rooted in a subject but also there's the world building aspect so just, yeah, how did you bring those all together?
2: Well, some of the world some of the world aspect were things that I had a strong idea about that I'd seen that I felt might be filmic and, and Sasha might really be interested in. And there was, uh, when I first moved to London, I met this woman who uh, had a, she was called uh, The Oyster, which I thought was the thing with the pearl, but actually it's someone who... Steals clothes and uh, sells them. So if there's any law enforcement officers here tonight, um, I shouldn't probably go into it in too much detail, but I bought a lot of stuff, basically, and thought this woman is really... uh, She had such a power and charisma, and she had a granddaughter who uh, had been born with uh, fetal alcohol syndrome, and she was caring for her. And so I was just fascinated in the way she... Perhaps this woman hadn't been able to take care of her own child, and uh, but she was making amends with her granddaughter, if that makes sense. So that mm-hmm. was something that we talked about quite a bit. And then um, I suppose the um, you know there were details of everything changes. So Sasha and I initially we talked about two what places, didn't we? We talked about a butcher's shop or a call <laughs> center. Mm-hmm. And then we went on a recce to a call center in the north of England, and we were so entertained by the the high levels of boredom that these people were basically <laughs> living with and working with. And um, the way, the kind of ways that they, the extreme lengths they went to keep themselves amused whilst doing a really quite a dull, repetitive job. And it just felt like a really nice fit for us. So so there were lots of elements that came along and, and are woven into the story.
0: And were you on location during the shoot?
2: Not very much. I
1: came along on two days, but... Uh, what, was
0: that, yeah. what were you filming on those days you were there? I
1: remember uh, one was a walk to the call center exterior.
2: Yeah, <laughs> and, uh, no, there was a lot of wa- fake water going on, so that yeah. was exciting for me yeah. to see. It's there's so not cool. for a writer. There's everyone is working, and you're not, and actually your work is at your desk. So yeah. there's only so much time I think you can be on set, but it's really wonderful to see it, and it was great to see Sasha and Vicky working together as well. Yeah. So um,
0: and and. The location, um, did you have a role in choosing the location? It was this you, Sasha, the East London location.
1: Um, what I found out working here, um, because London is so big, uh, <laughs> yes. of course, uh, that um, yeah, I really fell for the colours of the estate uh, there in Hackney uh, at the Beauvoir. And um, so, the, so the colours and the texture of it and that you have high-rise high and low-rise there, that really uh, appealed to me right away. Um, and that sort of informed then everything else that we shot in London, at least. All the interiors of this film are in Zaandam in the Netherlands. I don't know if you noticed. But
0: That's uh, a good, good fact. I did not <laughs> notice.
1: For money reasons. So that was uh, quite awful to shoot because uh, we were, like, everything was shot completely out of order there was nothing that was sort of chronological at all but there were days that we were shooting just walks from one door to the ne- to the next door and then like then we moved everything to the Netherlands and we were sort of on top of each other uh, in very very tiny apartments with like, one toilet and that was it for 50 people uh, so <laughs> that was our uh, <laughs> yeah
0: um, I'm gonna ask a couple more questions and then I'm gonna throw it open. So if you have any questions, now would be the time to, to kind of f- ferment them in your brains. Um, yeah, I just wanted to ask about the, the way I, I'm a you know I'm a born and bred Londoner, and it's it's very rare to see it captured so like you get the banality of it, you see the concreteness, you know, the the drabness, certainly, but you also you managed to with your cinematographer um, Ruben Impens, yes, Ruben Impens. Um, you, you know, you, you catch these moments of like kind of sublime natural beauty, you know, like the sun and water, and it, yeah, there are these moments of grace in it that I don't often associate with London as it's shown on film. Um, can you talk about uh, yeah your decision to kind of make it? It's a, it's like a realistic film, but it's also quite impressionistic and artistic. Can you talk about how you decided to give it this look and what conversations you had with Ruben?
1: Um, yeah, first of all, what was important that we didn't want to make sort of a gritty, kitchen sink drama. Uh, that I felt that, that there are many, many films like that in the States, and, and, and I really wanted to do something different. Um, and then, sort of slowly, things uh, yeah, started to... Uh, so as for the estate, that it was blue and red, so those colors became important for the rest of the film. Um, for, yeah, the the masturbation scene, for instance, where we project uh, Vicky on Vicky herself, <laughs> that was more of an idea that I was searching for a way, um, yeah, to to not make it dirty or anything, but uh, to make it liberating and and how to. Uh, find that visually and um, we were playing Ruben was especially playing first a bit like with project projecting things on, on Vicky's face we had uh, maggots, maggots. Um, we <laughs> didn't use it What else? We, did we have anything else now anyway we were playing playing a bit with those kind of things to get into uh, Jade's head um, but, uh, uh, but the shots of Vicky on Vicky I, I kind of liked. And uh, we were there playing around a bit uh, with the projector uh, on the set. And as for the court, for instance, that was because in the Netherlands, I feel like the, the court looks very, very different. And for here, you had either like the Victorian court or the very sort of depressing court And uh, I, yeah, I don't know, that that felt really sort of old-fashioned, or that were sort of the choices that I had. You probably have much more different kind of chords. But anyway, those were the chords that I had to, uh, that I could choose. And then um, I was really depressed about this chord because I thought like uh, <laughs> uh, it didn't look good and I didn't sort of believe it. It looked so theatrical, and uh, we I, I remember Ruben and me were walking and walking and thinking, like, what are we going to do? And then I thought, well, yeah, we're gonna, just going to put a spot on her and uh, make everything disappear. And uh, so those kind of things come as you talk. It's not like uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A, a sort of set idea from the beginning. Like, it has to look like this. The only thing that I knew was I want—I really wanted to make a colorful film, mm-hmm. um, and the film that it was really set in uh, in the now, that was important.
0: Uh, so you're like solving problems with reality, basically, with all your decisions that you made.
1: Yes, <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, so yeah. So uh, Vicky. So obviously this is your fi- your your first film, mm-hmm. and you are now in fact working as a health assistant. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you see in your future? Are you gonna carry on acting? Was this a one-off? Are You gonna carry on being a health assistant? Are you gonna try try and stay open to acting? Well. Pursuing a career in, in medicine, like what is your... Yeah, Do you, I mean, maybe you do, don't know what the future holds, but...
3: Um, I've now, in the last week, got an agent. Um, so, yeah. Congratulations. I, okay. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I would love, absolutely love to carry on acting. Um, if I get another chance to do it again, then yeah, I'll do it. Um, but for now, I'm working on this, travelling with the film. We're going to Paris on Monday. and we go to Sydney week after so yeah we're really busy at the minute but if
0: if I get the opportunity then yeah I'll take it okay great um do we have any questions and do we have a roaming mic is that a thing we have yes there's a roaming mic over there so yes
2: um thank you very much for the film I thought it was wonderful really um uh inspiring and I was really interested from what Vicky said in that the way that it helped your own you know self the way you see yourself, and um, the reaction you had after the film finished, and I wondered if you were planning on any outreach in terms of working with hospitals, also, so other people can see the film who might not necessarily feel it, you know, see it, who also have had burns or, or have been affected by acid attacks.
1: Um, yeah, um, the head of ASTI. Um, has contacted us, so I think he will have a screening, changes, a Changing Faces had a screening with us. And I, I know that in the Netherlands, there ha- there are some uh, organisations that do stuff with it, so... The rest I don't know. Yeah. Maybe I mean, uh, Eve knows, I don't
3: know. <laughs> we've also had a lot of um, burn survivors also come to the screenings. We had a couple of screenings in France, um, and there was a few burn survivors there. We was the opening film of Rotterdam, there was also uh, burn survivors there. We also uh, were selected for Sundance, um, and a burns association also was also there. So, yeah, we've. I mean, I think the film is uh, slowly reaching out to uh, us survivors. Um, I mean, I work in a hospital, I work in Broomfield, and that's one of the biggest burns unit in the UK. Um, and, yeah, I mean, the film gets released next Friday? Yeah, next Friday. Um, and my hospital um, is promoting it as well, so hopefully we can get as many as many uh, survivors as possible. Yeah.
0: Do we have any more questions? I have more in the tank, but don't be shy. Yes, at the back. Wonderful.
2: <laughs> well done. Great film. I just wanted to find out where you found the little girl who played, plays Jay's daughter.
1: <laughs> Eliza. She
2: was a delight.
1: Yeah, she <laughs> was great. Um, well, uh, the we, we started shooting this film on the 2nd of January last year uh, and that was sort of our, uh, not our official shooting day, but uh, we had to shoot that day because we wanted to shoot in the London Eye and a fairground in London. So uh, those kind of things made it sort of, we had this one day, and we had to shoot it uh, two weeks, I think, or three weeks before our actual actual shooting uh, period started. But Eliza, uh, or the baby, was in the London Eye, of course, so um, all of the sudden production came to me and said, yeah, well, in England, if you want to shoot with a child, you have to have, like, lots of uh, lawyers approve of this, and I don't know how many contracts, and we are really late, and you have to choose today or something. And uh, can you choose on Skype? And I was like, No, I'm not gonna choose. I have to see the baby. Uh, I have to know. Uh, it, yeah. So uh, that day, uh, two children came to my, the house where I was uh, staying, and one child was afraid of me. Uh, and uh, Eliza just came to me and sort of sat on my lap and was immediately sort of totally at ease with me. So I thought, Okay, <laughs> we have a child. Um, <laughs> And then, uh, like every time, because the production said constantly said, "Well, you cannot work with one child. We we need actually we need twins or we need a double." Um, but Eliza was always fantastic. And and every, every time we had a mm. double, it was a was horrendous, and
3: awful. <laughs> yeah, we had one shooting day over the park. You know where I'm coming over and I see the, when I see Pat. Um, and oh the double, oh my god, did she scream the whole time? I think for about four hours I said, Sash, please, just please I can't do it. And then we
0: ended up using a doll. So it was a better option. <laughs> Much better option. <laughs> Else? Yes. yes, we have them here
2: in the yellow jacket. Hi, amazing film! Thank you. Okay. That was Thank great. You. I have a writing question. Uh, the, the film is structured uh, quite loosely. The plot, like uh, it's more experiential. I, I feel like, how did you structure uh, the challenges to the main character in the film? How um, the progression of her struggle seems very natural, and I was wondering what your process through that was. Do
1: you want to answer? It? That's a good
2: question. <laughs> I mean, I think we were quite insti- we, we tried to be quite instinctual. There were some big structural changes as we went along. We worked with some brilliant developers, and uh, and so we were quite open to the development process. And I think, and then at the very end of the process, Sasha workshopped a lot of dialogue. Uh, so, uh, you know, scenes change, or the contents of scenes change a little bit as well. So. I think being sort of open to the process and then in the edit again, I think things changed quite a bit. So really what you see is kind of based on a lot of feeling rather than anything that was really hammered down. Um, but we did let her be a true protagonist and, and let, you know, we wanted to give her hurdles and we wanted to give her that drive and that focus. And I think that's still in the film.
0: We've got time for perhaps one or two more questions. Do we have any more takers in the audience? Otherwise, yeah, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll, nice I'll <laughs> ask you if, if you don't. So anyone else? Burning, any more burning questions? Okay. Uh, so, yeah, so this is a question for all of you, so maybe we can go down the line. Um, what kind of impact or conversations are you hoping that the film's release will open up? So if we start with you, you CC and go down the line.
2: Well, it's great that um, the BFI campaign uh, about villains um, has come about at the same time about scars and representation of scars. And um, that wasn't something that was, we were thinking about at the time, but it seems like a really positive thing that right now people are looking at representation across the board and it's come about. And um, it's really a uh, great whenever See the film, so I suppose we all have hopes that um, it'll be seen.
1: Yeah, I would love that people see it. Um, And um, no, I don't know, like, film touches you in in many different ways that you cannot predict for anyone, and and I hope it does something for somebody somewhere.
3: I think, with me, obviously, this film means a lot to me because obviously, what I've said before about me. Being a complete mess, so if it's helped me get out of that situation, I really hope it just gives someone a little bit of hope. Um, and people that who are, who are not survivors and who haven't got uh, a visual disability as well, just, you know, a little bit of empathy for people like me, um, you know, a stare or a nudge or a look can ruin someone's day. Um, I mean, I was on the train the other day and two Spanish people were nudging and pointing at me and talking in their language. And I thought, you know what, I'm not going to put my coat on because that's just, they've got the problem, not me. Um, so, yeah, I hope they've watched this and have just a tiny bit of insight of what it's like for, for me and other people that we've gone through. So
0: I can't think of a better note to end on. So, if you could join me in clapping Vicky Knight, Sasha Pollock and Susie Farrell.